and welcome to the Astra Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer at Astra Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend, Nick Tell. Nick, hello. Hello. Good to always be here, John. Always fun to see you on Jobs Day. Nick is the CEO of Armory Investment Group and someone we like to talk to, especially about the fixed income market, about the economy as a whole. So we're recording this on Friday the 5th. The payroll numbers just came out, and we're going to mainly go through those and then touch on maybe the PMIs you've gotten and call it a day. So the headline number was stronger than expected, came in at 216 versus expected to 175, but the last two months payroll revisions are minus 70. So overall, like things kind of came in bang on target, right? Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's distributed differently, but at the end of the day, it's what people were expecting. Yeah, I think so. And the unemployment rate is now 3.7%. People were expecting a tick up. Let's talk about for the household survey again for a minute. When you look at the household survey, it is diverging somewhat from right. the establishment survey. And like, if you don't look at it, I definitely recommend people check out the Bureau of Labor Statistics reconciles of each month. And so, you know, the spread between the payroll survey employment and the household survey adjusted to the payroll concept is wide and it's widening. It's about, they're about kind of as far as they get from each other. The household one is going down, right? So payroll is going up, but pretty steady pace. Household is going down. The gap is growing. One thing you think is, gosh, this is a problem because like the household is somehow more accurate and it's coming down is going to be leading it. I guess that's plausible. But the same thing as this happened in 2022. And when the same thing happened, adjusted household number was down for several months in a row and the gap widened. And then they, they it kind of rushed to catch up a little bit. And overall, if you look at the two indices, you'll see the payroll survey employment is much, much smoother than the household survey. And so I guess I would probably want to stick with the payroll if I had to choose one. But I mean, I don't know if it's alarming, but it's something to sort of keep an eye on. What do you think about the household survey? Yeah, no, I think that it's indicative of still sort of a psychological weakness, if not actual weakness, right? Hmm. Um, in my mind. And so yeah. it's a question of whether that translates into actual weakness. I mean, there's some components of the jobs report that seem to indicate some weakness, you know, the labor force shrunk a bit. It sounds like temporary workers are starting to get laid off, which isn't surprising in December when into January. But, you know, it's just a question of how those two converge. And I think there's more of a psychological element right now in the household survey than it seems in the actual payroll data. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, the temporary employment is something I like to keep an eye on. So the survey week for this would be the second week in December, so before Christmas. So... The seasonal adjustments will mess with that. Yeah. And the, so the temporary help is definitely negative, right? On our, yeah, yeah. On our board. 
And yeah, you mentioned this already, but one of the things we like to look at is the prime age employment population ratio. And that is definitely put in a local maximal, right? Like it's not at a low, yeah. it's still at the highest, no. still higher than it was before the pandemic actually. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, off its highs. And, you know, that's a full thought. It's off its highs. Let's return to the temporary employment for one sec, though. Are you aware of any people's comments? Maybe I, sometimes you you look at more industry reports than I do about how Christmas was for retailers. It's, well, I mean, so far, at least at the top line, we obviously don't see yet the bottom line and margins, which is ultimately the more important indication of how successful the holiday season was. But certainly on the top line, the numbers are strong, very strong. And whether that's driven by discounting, we'll find out. I don't remember a lot of discounts, frankly. <laughs> <It's here. laughs> I'm not so sure I, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> My 13-year-old got an Xbox. That wasn't discounted. <laughs> it was pretty no, sad. no, that's, not, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it doesn't seem like, doesn't feel like it's discounted. It uh, may just be discounted relative to 2022 prices. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it may yeah. just be it's still at a high level. But the funny thing is, is everyone talks about inflation coming down, but that doesn't mean there's deflation. <laughs> so no, prices, and you start to no matter that, what, are still high. <laughs> you see that everywhere, right? Like you probably, you're like, gosh, that would be like more sophisticated people might understand what's going on. But no, like this is almost universally here. Like people are like, well, they said inflation's moderating, but you know, the price of bread never went down. Like, no. Right. Right. Like that's the way stuff happens. It goes up and it stays up. Sorry. That's life. Yeah. So the price of things does not come down in general in nominal terms, right? It ratchets up. So the price of bread goes up and then it just stays up and maybe it doesn't increase as you get more money. So the relative price decreases, but it never kind of goes down in price, really. It's pretty rare, only in mm-hmm. odd things. And yeah, I do hear a lot of people, all levels of sophistication sort of complaining about that. On the other hand, you know, we were talking last payroll about consumer sentiment being a little bit worse than you'd expect given the unemployment rate. And, you know, the way we track it, you know, we try and take sort of the central tendency of a bunch of different sentiment indicators and that number is going in the right direction kind of. Finally, it's still not as good as it was, I don't know, maybe a year ago, but not going down anymore. So maybe that's hopeful for sentiment continuing to increase and people getting used to the higher level of prices. That has to do with wage growth too, I think, right? Right. That's a good point. You were mentioning that. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the most, in my mind, concerning part about the report is that you're starting to see a reacceleration of wage growth and that, you know, listen, the spread between wage growth and inflation is an important thing to monitor because if wage growth is higher than inflation, all of a sudden there's going to be a positive impact from a consumer standpoint. But at the same time, that's the issue with inflation, right? Is it will reaccelerate if wage growth continues to, to accelerate and as a result, you know, you're starting to see more spending again. So that's, you know, I think the thing that I'm most concerned about and what I would expect, hopefully the Fed will be focused on in terms of specifically whether to cut anytime soon. But that's really the one thing that I thought was troublesome in the report and indicating sort of where 
not to say that, I mean, again, it's all good news, bad news, right? There's strength, right? There's no reason to avoid saying that. It's just a question of, is it as much strength and future growth that people were expecting, given what happened in November, December of this year with sort of the equity markets, the fixed income markets, all that. We're expecting, I think, that there's going to be a lot more cuts next year. And and you had sort of a real, you know, it's a robust, I'd say, November, December from a return standpoint, and a lot of people chasing returns. And so it's just a matter of sort of how much of that from a market standpoint needs to be given back relative to sort of what the Fed actually does and or so differently what the Fed actually needs to do, given the underlying strength in the economy right now. Yeah, like I think the argument for a cut would be inflation is moderating and you're happy with the level of real rates. So you have to adjust nominal rates to keep up with real rates. And, you know, I see that logic, but at the same time, I guess I'm sort of more swayed by like, I don't see anything wrong with the economy. Right. And I think we should mm-hmm. for weakness. I, if I was on the board, I'd be voting to wait for weakness before we actually cut. Now the street certainly thinks, something different. And a lot of the statements from the Fed seem to think something different. So, I mean, I might have to, you know, mark my beliefs to market, but so the average hourly earnings is okay, right? Like when things are quiet, it's sort of as good as the better number, which is wages and salaries at turning points, they can diverge in the wages and salaries with number, which doesn't come out as often, which is, but is adjusted for compositional effects is the one you want to look at. But the one we have today is hourly earnings. And if you look at the non-supervisory average hourly earnings, three month over three months annualized, you know, that's running at right around 4%, a little touch higher off its lows of a few months ago. It is a touch below where the Fed started raising rates before the pandemic. So I think the argument to cut rates is kind of subtle. And yeah, I mean, we'll see if the stock market ends up being disappointed with that. But, you know, if we have the Christmas season that it looks like we did, maybe the stock market will be happy with that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically that's my initial ultimate point was that what do the feds really need to do? You know, it's possible that the equity markets will be fine because the economy will continue to stay relatively strong without the Fed doing anything else anytime soon. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then on the wage side, I think what's interesting. I read an article. I haven't dug into the details of it, but we should. You know, it's an interesting statistic to understand for 2024 is that I read an article that 20 states their minimum wage is going to go up in 2024. And that could have, in digging in and understanding what percent that ultimately translates into may be an interesting statistic just to monitor. That is interesting. The question is like how much of the inflation, you know, the level of inflation, the step function that we were talking about before, how much that gets undone for people. Right. The ISM numbers, the purchasing managers indices are coming along. They're still... On the weak side, the ISM is a little bit weaker than expecting the services. The S&P Global one is a little bit stronger. So those sort of cancel each other out. And they're, they're both telling sort of a consistent story. And overall, my summary of the labor market is that it's fine, right? It's not trading. Mm-hmm. It's not booming. It is solid. It's almost, it's great. And like, why change it? And so 
Do you have some thoughts on the fixed income market? Yeah, I mean, I think from we've talked about this before. It's sort of like I tell you my perspective on the fixed income market is to do more of the same. An enormous amount of current yield out there. And that's, I don't think, going to change anytime soon, particularly on the floating rate side. I'm thinking about loans, what we saw in 2023 is, particularly the last half of 2023, is the fixed income market, both duration and credit drove excess returns. From my perspective, the bigger issue and the bigger risk is duration. And thinking about shortening duration is still a main point that I tell my investors and kind of taking gains on the duration side, because I think that's where there's potential risk, not so much on the credit side. Right. So, you know, in this business is always the fear of missing out, right? And huge rally from 5% to 4%, and which looks obvious in retrospect. And if you were with it, maybe you're saying it, you think about taking some profits. And if you weren't with it, you know, maybe you'll get a chance to participate next time. And the argument, I guess, for duration being dangerous is that the 10-year, the 30-year, I've gotten ahead of the Fed and might be uh, beaten back into a state of reasonableness. Would that be sort of like what you'd say? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's exactly right. Where that's, even with the economy staying sort of Goldilocks, if you want to call it that, I think duration is is assuming cuts. And I don't think the Fed's going to need it anytime soon. Right. I mean, what we need to have the precipitating event would have to be more people of the Fed kind of saying that consistently. They don't have a super consistent message. Powell has sounded dovish. And so, you know, if we start seeing speeches about, yeah, I don't know, I don't see what we're getting from a rate cut, then the market might pay attention. But if it's a continued mishmash, like they're just going to see things optimistically, I mean, they're markets. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for your time, Nick. And if you would like any more information about our economic view, you can check out our Aster website, AsterIM, that's IM for investmentmanagement.com, or you can reach out to your Aster sales rep. Thanks, Nick. Hi, always a pleasure. Thanks, John. Astor Investment Management, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There is no guarantee any investment strategy will achieve its objectives or be profitable. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only and does not constitute advice for any particular individual. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investment purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations. Occasionally, guest speakers not affiliated with Astor are featured, and their opinions are their own and not necessarily shared by Astor. See Astor's Form ADV on AstorIM.com or the SEC website for additional information.